0: good evening and welcome to the laughing monkey music show today we have on paul mars black how are you good how are you I'm doing good i'm doing good i know you've been out doing the rounds of the podcast because you have a great album out actually coming out is it a couple days right yeah um
1: may 13th
0: oh very so, soon
1: yeah it it kind of came out as a preview on uh, record store day um yep. just like last week or something and, and uh they just they did really well with the vinyl i don't know how much they sold but uh there was some limited edition colors like red vinyl Cool. but um yeah that went well it's starting to trickle out and it's starting to get a good reaction um get some good reviews or i'm really happy with i think i i just feel that this is the best album i've ever done it's uh
0: you would hope that a both artists you always want to be doing your best because <laughs> yeah. you know they come on and be like yeah i just spent this last year of doing the worst thing i've ever done before yes yeah, yeah that wouldn't be good but it is it's it feels like it's probably more true to all your styles that you've done of music i mean to me it feels like uh a, a singer songwriter rock album i guess you know because it's very song oriented but yeah, uh, like rock the- and roll is the undercurrent in it you know yeah so that that is awesome how do you end up with this version of this, of the group? Cause you, you and Joe have been together for a while, right?
1: Yeah. Joe and I met right after, uh, um, uh, my band, Black Cherry broke up. Um, Black Cherry kind of broke up. I, it was a Black Cherry. I just felt was a really good band. It wasn't quite what I wanted to do, um, with Black Cherry, but the songs were really good and, uh, it was close, you know? Um, and then when, uh, when Black Cherry broke up, uh, I hooked up with Joe and Joe and I were just kind of hermits writing together. We just hit it off as songwriting partners and uh, we just out it was like therapy for us to get together and write songs. Uh, it was a, a struggle trying to get them recorded because of lack of money and being poor. Um, and. Um, and uh Just. You know, in depression <laughs> because if our bands broke up. We we were like, you know, we broke up with our girlfriends. We were, uh, you know, trying to make ends meet, doing the doing, you know, just ridiculous jobs. He was working at a t shirt place, make, printing up t shirts, and I was doing probably telemarketing or something, just trying to make ends meet, you know. And, uh, you know, but we kind of, you know, music was therapy for us. We'd get together and write, write about, you know, whatever we were feeling, you know, and, and we were real passionate about what we were doing. So, everything we did had to have meaning. It wasn't just writing a song for the sake of writing a song. You know, it, it was an outlet for us, you know, and um, we just came up with a lot of good songs. And over time, we would have different lineups together and we would just did recordings in our rehearsal studio and uh, just to kind of document things and uh, different things would pull us away from each other. Um, periodically, you know, we had family that we were raising, we started having kids, getting married, Different different things would happen over the years, or or he'd reunite with his band, go out on tour, and then I'd reunite with my band, go out on tour, and and holding a lineup together, a solid lineup was really difficult because of the caliber of musicians that we wanted to use. They were really, you know, we used really, you know, people that 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 breed of musician that would do the style that we liked, which was like blue, eclectic blues, Americana, Rolling Stones style. They were rare, and they were also used to. Um, you know they'd all had record deals before, so they were like any opportunity where they could make money they were they were pulled away you know so we just we went through a series of different lineups but then I think around two thousand by the year two thousand we had uh we just had a bunch of you know demos recorded and we thought yeah well, let's just put it out and see how it goes and and we put that out and we only printed a thousand, but it got great reviews just reviews it made, made me wanna to cry you know and uh but we didn't have the means to really kind of keep printing it up or marketing it or anything else. We'd had no label behind us. It was, just, it was just a really good record of demos that we put out. The songs were really good. And right. in retrospect, looking back at it, I, I kind of think we put a little bit too much on there. There was a few songs that were just kind of improv. There was an acapella improv that I went in just doing hand claps and, I just, and just did it to a mic. And then Joe went in after the fact and put guitar on it. Uh, and he had to tune to my voice because we didn't know what key we were in. So it was kind of, but it was it was a real interesting track. So, you know, we threw it on there, but then I just think, you know, it's, we could have edited it down a little bit more, but I, what I like about this new album is that it's also started out being demos, but then when we listened back, we realized we had the makings of a really good record that had a concept, you know, because everything kind of, even though there was a lot of variety to the styles and everything, um, it still had, it all had a continuity that made sense, right? But we we were lacking a few more songs. So we went in and recorded uh, four more songs in Fox 4 Studio in Hollywood with Gabe Lowry producing. And uh, then we had more than enough. So we decided we're going to cut it down to 12 of the best. And and we we took a few out that were really good songs, but we just thought these are the ones that made sense for a real good album start to finish like a story kinda, and, uh, and we put it out and I'm just I'm really happy with the way it, it um, came out and we have a few songs left over that are really good as well that you know, can be on the next record so we got a head start on our next one
0: that's really cool I mean it's funny the sounds it probably sounds more like the Rolling Stones even the Rolling Stones don't sound like the Rolling Stones anymore <laughs> <this time. laughs> you know what I mean that, that quintessential 1970s sound is just rock and roll I actually feel like I hear a lot of the faces in you guys with your voice yeah, and the guitars
1: yeah well, both Joe and I love the faces but Joe I, I have to say the faces are um you know that was, those were um Joe's heroes I and mean, Joe loved the faces growing up that's his that's his biggest influence and I, I'd have to say my biggest influence is probably the Rolling Stones the Beatles yeah so they,
0: they all kind of go together oh they totally do so that's you know it's interesting I haven't heard many bands new albums out of it that reflect that especially like that because it's very eclectic the songs aren't you know, it's in the style of stones, but it doesn't sound like the stones by any means, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, what we did try to do what, uh, and by the way, I'm moving because I see my computer is going to die if I don't plug it in. So I'm going to go find a charger while I'm talking. Okay. Um, but we did, um, you know, I mean, we... Um, we wanted to do what the Rolling Stones did, you know, and what the Beatles did and what, what all the bands did back then, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't um, just go for one sound like, okay, we're a rock and roll band and this and that, but they they would incorporate whatever they could find, you know, like old blues or, you know, the Beatles, especially, they would would put a French song or, you know, um, Spanish song in there. you know? So they were influenced by all kinds of music i think even classical to a certain extent yeah and uh so that's kind of what we wanted to do is we didn't want to we wanted to be a rock and roll record but we also wanted to incorporate um other stuff that we listened to growing up because we just you know like we didn't want to just be like well we definitely didn't want to be a metal band at all um but we didn't want to be just straight rock and roll too or punk or anything like that we wanted punk influence but we didn't want to be a punk band we didn't want to be a rock and roll band we wanted to be just kind of everything you know everything that we listened to growing up we wanted to incorporate
0: I, I hear that I mean that's why I, when I say rock and roll I think to me a rock and roll is all encompassing like it's not a metal or a this that it's not dated to a certain time period that you would think of when you hear it Yeah, this is, oh, you know, uh, this is kind of album that will age well because it sounds like you know. yeah
1: i definitely i definitely do i would consider this definitely a rock and roll record right you know just like any rolling stones record right. well roll.
0: that's what i mean yeah i mean it's just rock and roll the beatles is rock and roll you know what i mean it's not like it comes from you know like say i don't know you obviously you're not LA like guns i mean, maybe a hard rock band i don't think maybe because of the guitar i think more metal more metal to them but this is rock and roll you know
1: yeah. I'd say and what you said about being timeless that's exactly what I've always wanted to do with my music and the songs I write is uh I didn't want to write any I never wanted to write anything that would just stick me in a genre that would be dated later on you know I wanted to write the songs that are you know the, the caliber of song I want to write is, is something that's gonna is gonna be popular 50 years from now or 100 years now long after I'm dead that it's gonna last you know and, You know, like, like, oh, solo mio, or something, you know, like a classic song that was written, you know, hundreds of years ago, you know, that still lasts today, you know.
0: That's crazy. You actually said, wait, you said 2000, you guys started. So you guys have been working on stuff for like 22 years.
1: I'd say, I think, I think Joe and I met around 1990. Um, Wow. So, yeah. And we have so many songs that people have never heard. We've been writing for years. It's just the, the the speed at which we get them recorded and and out is um, right <laughs> pretty slow. But I think we're gonna pick up the pace now because you know, it. I think we've just got to a point in our lives where we've had a lot of distractions, but we we have a little bit more going on for us right now. Where we're we're not dependent on any label, you know. We're we're kind of self sufficient in other ways other than music. Um, So, and we have, we have a a good team of people behind us, like, you know, uh, engineers and, uh, Mark, Mark Habegger has been doing our videos for us and, and Gabe Lowry has been doing our recording for us and they really believe in the music. So they're almost like part of the band. They're like, they're, and then we got a a network of incredible musicians that'll back us up for anything we want to do. We got, you know, and we get, we have our pick of whoever's, you know, um, drummers i mean i've i've played drums and uh and i did a lot of the drumming on this record so we, we always have a built-in drummer uh joe does all the guitars and 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 i do the singing uh sometimes we even play bass but um we have some great bass players we have great keyboard players uh you know i got backup singers i can pull in and other all kinds of other musicians so i think this is kind of the start of we're going to kind of continue recording and and i'm i'm also working on a solo record as well
0: right good well i mean now that you're in control of stuff you can actually do stuff like you know release some of these other stuff digital downloads for the fans do a patreon page or something on a website for the fans you know we're well, not i don't think you're ever going to catch up to releases of all your music you might have to release some other stuff like it's digital you know like older classics and kind of package them or something
1: Yeah, I think actually because we never the first record that we did has some really, really great stuff and it's never been marketed or put out. So we can even like follow up this this new record we're finally doing. I think when we first put out that first record, um, Joe was dead set. He was dead set against. uh, spotify or streaming or anything uh just because they don't pay money and it was really resentful but i think we've kind of over the years realized that it's not even about the money it's about like let's let's keep let's give the songs out to people you know keep the songs alive keep the music alive we're, we're you know we got to face it we're not in the days of uh selling records anymore it's all about yeah. um, you know it's uh so you know we're not really dependent on uh our money coming from music right now. It's it's just a matter of like, okay, we wrote all these great songs and, and, you know, we love what we do and we're passionate about what we do. Let's, let's get them out there to people any means we can. So, um, you know, he's finally been convinced that it's the days of streaming. So we're going to, we're going to let it go on Spotify, but we're going to, we're putting them out single by single. And by, I think May 13th, the whole record will be out, you know, and then, uh, and then we've got more stuff to back it up. Like I said, we got this first record that was never offered for streaming platforms, you know. So, yeah, so that's
0: curious. I like to hear it, I like to to listen to it. I mean, crazy. Yeah, it's,
1: called, it's called Sundown Yellow Moon. And uh, so we can follow it up with that. And we're in the midst of like, you know, recording some more stuff uh with, with Gabe Lowry and, and we got uh and then we got our video guy that we, we love and really believes in the music. So he's doing a lot of stuff for us.
0: You have a team now. It's it's going to be interesting, though. Do you think you finally being in control of it? and being in a, It sounds like you're in the right spot, finally, to, to be in control and do it so it's fun. With yeah, COVID, I, it's been a challenge for people.
1: Yeah.
0: But going back out and playing now, do you think it's going to be – how different it's going to be? Because you now everyone's going to be wanting to play now. Before, the market was saturated, so it's a little different.
1: Well, we're not worried about uh, if there's you – mean, you mean about playing
0: live? No, just getting the getting the music out there, competing because everyone's been locked down writing music. Yeah, uh-huh. some people that haven't done albums in years just finished their first album that they haven't done like ever. You know. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. Um, but you know, it's 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 out there for people that want to hear it. You know, and uh, and I, I think you know even even if it doesn't become like a big um, big hit, it's at least we have it out there and we're doing. You know, we're it's, we're making it available, you know? And I think probably, one of the things I like about, you know, the fact that we didn't really ever sign a deal or anything is that we're, we are in complete control of what, of the artistic side of it and how it's yeah. done, what we put on the record. We have, we have every choice to make. We decide what songs go on there. We decide how they're recorded, um, how, what they sound like, we arrange them you know we don't have anybody telling us okay you got to be this sound and yeah you know it's uh it's complete freedom artistically so it's it's a real true unadulterated you know rock and roll record that's like done the way we want want it and what we're what our kind of goal is first of all we want to you know we want to write songs that are timeless if somebody discovers this record 100 years from now it'll still hold up
0: exactly um,
1: and uh and the other thing is we want to uh Yeah, the music has, the music field has gotten really saturated, but it's saturated with a lot of stuff that's um, the same, you know. Right. Uh, So what we want to do is kind of teach, show people, you know, what it was done like back, you know, in the 60s and the 70s when, you know, know, there was, uh, there was more thought put into, you know,
0: making music yeah back to like the vinyl and everything else the packaging everything was a whole was a whole a whole thing um well we're going ask you this because yeah a lot of bands you know it's, it's saturated it's, it's really a good time for them i mean yeah i don't think you have it there's no such thing as competition for your type of music because I, I get a lot of music sent to me i haven't heard anything that sounds like you guys at all you know That's good. But it's really good i mean you guys sound good and you're not I can't be like oh, I does feel like I can hear because you said the Stones and the Faces influences. I can hear because I am also a fan of those bands, so you know, I pick it up. That yeah. I it feel it feels that that's- that school of songwriting, you know, of influence, but it doesn't sound like any of their songs. I can't go oh that sounds like you know, Brown Sugar or something. It doesn't sound like anything. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a that's a, a tricky thing to do to to be able to show your influences but not sound like them in a way.
1: Yeah, no, we're not we're not trying to be a carbon copy of anybody. You know, it's uh it's really like, you know, like I had drummers when, when I was I started out as a drummer, you know, and I had a lot of drummers that I was probably influenced by that, and I know I don't sound like any of them, you know, like I, I love Charlie Watts and I love Ringo, right? But I have my own style because I also studied jazz. Um I love Buddy Rich. I would go I went saw him like four like four times or something when I was a teenager and stuff and even met him and I would get right up close and I'd watch what he was doing and stuff but I'd probably pick up a little thing or two from him but I couldn't do what he did you know he's was, he was an amazing drummer and then Billy Cobham just a really big powerhouse drummer you know and and I could appreciate what he did and I would look at it and I would and, and I would and I would try to get those rudimentary um but but he was a little too stiff. You know, from for my style, uh, you know, so I, I would kind of like take a little bit from each drummer that I liked, you know, maybe you know, uh, John Bonham or something, you know, just little bits and pieces of them all, and all that together became my style, which wasn't like any of them really. It, there was influences, but and it's the same with our music in general. You know, we listen to everything, you know, and you know we have our main influences, our main bands that we love, and we're kind of like in that vein but not like any of them you
0: know yeah well i, I can say i mean you can you can be influenced by an artist and not sound like them because i always say you know we already have a job on them we already have a jimmy page we already have a just for easy naming you don't need another one they already, we already have one you don't need to sound like jim page you already have jim page you don't need another job i mean you need, need you you need somebody individual you know yeah just really no need to um With with this, so are you going to try doing a a lot of videos for this album, or are you just going to do a few? Or, well, we did three, uh, and we
1: got the third one is coming out probably in a few days. I think it might coincide. I think the third one might come out coinciding with the record release um, on the thirteenth. That's kind of the plan. I think we're kind of talking about it right now. Uh, I just talked to the Mark Haberger, He's uh, the guy that's doing the video, the director. Uh, I said, you know, I think maybe we need to get a few more in the can, you know, because the videos are, you know, getting some good reaction.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and it's just good to have a visual to connect um, with the music. And one of the things I, I like to do with videos is um, I don't ever like it to tell the story of the song because I, I just think, you know, growing up, I never had videos. I listened to the song and the songs would always spark imagination in my own you know songs that like like a
0: book like a book and then being a movie you're like that's not what I was thinking it was
1: (laughs) And then then, yeah but if you do a video you have to be careful because if you if you do a video that has the storyline of the of the song you could ruin that song for somebody you know I I I know that like I've listened to songs that I think it means something to me it it hits Mm -hmm. me a certain way but it could hit you in a completely different way you know I don't know and that's what I didn't like about the, a lot of those old MTV videos that they would have actors acting out the song. And it just, sometimes that would just ruin the song for me, you know? So I liked, um, like the videos I liked were like, you know, like stuff the Rolling Stones would do would be just them performing. It's the band, yeah. you know, it just, and it's just a performance. They're not acting anything out. Like one of my favorite videos ever is, is uh, when they did... Uh, uh, it's only rock and roll and they just did a silly thing where they, they dressed up in sailor suits and they, they were in a tent and they filled it up with bubbles and it was just it, mean, it meant nothing to the song but it basically, except you know that it's but, it's rock and roll you know?
0: right um, no, I, I've always liked the, the original music show, or the, the uh, original just performance videos uh, but it, yeah it is interesting you do the releases I ask that because everyone has a different plan they're still right or wrong now releases for types of, types of music all the artists are taking control of their own destinies where well, you could have a niche audience of say 100 fans but if they're the 100 fans is buying your merch streaming your stuff and supporting you yeah th- that that number could bring you more money than you could if you had a thousand casual fans that just weren't really intimately buying your stuff you know like i think artists are learning that the more of it uh you can have a focused base that can actually support you enough we keep making more albums where you can tour where you can you know afford lunch when you go on tour like it, you know i mean it, 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 it can help help you you don't need to have a thousand things anymore Like a thousand
1: yeah we we do have a pretty solid um base uh it's mostly in europe that's why we decided to release it in europe first um the the physical product uh, and they're buying it over there it's a uh, uh, dogs Amore, D- joe's old band has a, a pretty solid fan base in uk and europe and uh and la guns when you know when i was in la guns um you know i would do better when i was touring over there than here you know, like no over over in america they didn't seem to care much at all you know
0: america's um, not very very loyal when it comes to rock and roll
1: <laughs> most of my my best gigs were over over a year or argentina they loved us in argentina um and i I went there by myself in argentina just it was palmar's black and i had a sold out show and they, they and this is the weird thing about um argentina they knew sonic boom already they and they from our first album in 2000 okay uh, we only printed up a thousand but there was a uh uh there was a south american promoter that asked us for permission to put it out down there and and said that they would give us half of whatever they produced they sent us 500 copies of that they produced yeah. or they they printed up right so we thought oh, they probably only printed a thousand down there as well but when i went down to argentina to play i, I went to um they took me on a press tour and I realized that all the major radio stations had that record and they'd been playing it and they said they knew the record. And then when I went to do my show, it was a sold out show. And I had a, I had a great Argentina band backing me up while I was there. And uh they put this show on and uh, it, was, uh, it was a, it was a sold out show and they were singing the songs for Sonic Boom. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm bigger down there than I am up here. <laughs> nobody knows me up here.
0: So are you going to, how are you going to balance it out? Are you going to do some songs from each of your older bands? Um, like in, in the sets, if you guys start playing together like this out at some points, because you have a mixed fan base, are you going to be just doing, you know, we're not going to do any of our old bands. We're just going to do, I mean, cause you have enough material, but you get the strangler of the dogs, dogs more or strangler LA guns fan. And you have some, you have some really good songs with them too. And your, your versions of the songs were very good you know, even better at times. Um,
1: we thought about it. We thought, you know, I mean, yeah, actually we thought about throwing in, uh, you know, just to make, you know, because, you know, more than just being songwriters and uh we're, you know, entertainers as well. So we want to give audiences what they're, you know, what they're showing up for So we thought about like if we tour and we're only going to tour, if it makes sense. I mean, we, you know, right now we're still kind of like in the COVID thing and we want to see how the record does, you know, and if there's a, if there's a demand for it, we'll probably get out and play some shows. Um, but probably, yeah, we, Joe and I had talked about like throwing in some dogs, more fan uh, songs, you know, some more popular yep. ones and the ones that he wrote with them. And, uh, and yeah, maybe doing our, probably a completely different version of some of my songs that I wrote with Belly Guns, you know, like I would I'll obviously record them or play them the way I would play my, you know, they're my songs. So I, I agree I
0: with you. <laughs> well, in some way you should actually, because, you know, it's only been through the internet, people have learned the history of you because, you know, when it first came out, right. First LA guns came out, you know, there was no internet. All I had was that picture on the album cover. You know, yeah. you didn't know that you wrote all this, you know, you were writing all the songs. You couldn't tell that Steve Riley wasn't a drummer. Like you just had a picture. And at the time when you're a teenager, everything's at face value. Yeah. Times going on. You realize that you've written, you know, <laughs> you're all the good songs, you know, yeah. these people weren't drummers. This is the, you, you learn things are the a difference. There's really no reason why you should, you, you know, or Joe shouldn't do your songs that you wrote from other bands. I mean, yeah, if you want I, to.
1: Uh, I think I made a mistake. I'm asked once they released my music, I, I have, I was playing a lot of those songs in my, in my new band, Black Cherry. And I thought thought those are the songs that are going to get me signed because they got them signed. Right. Uh, but then I thought, oh, I don't want to be playing the same songs they're doing, you know, and I had was in a lawsuit over those songs, which tied up Black Cherry for a long time. But uh, in retrospect, I probably should have just recorded them, my versions, with Black Cherry and released it. Um,
0: yeah, You sound too much like L.A. Guns. You're like, oh.
1: <laughs> well, we wanted to be different, you know. Yeah. And, and then I thought if I do the same songs, it's kind of like it's going to be kind of weird at the time. But now, I, in retrospect, I probably should have done them just so that people knew my version. So that they, they knew how I would wanted to portray the song myself no uh in my opinion they did a horrible job recording my songs it's not at all what how i would have done it you know um even in the band while i was performing the songs myself i would i had a struggle getting them to be the way i wanted them you know i did i didn't have those kind of musicians that to do what i wanted to do um I, I kind of felt they were limited um, and and really focused on being the cliche high five heavy metal, which is something I, I didn't want anything to do with, really. I wanted more, you know, I wanted more blues thrown in there. I wanted some punk thrown in there. I wanted, uh, you know, basically kind of what I'm doing with Joe uh, thrown in into the mix. And it just wasn't I didn't have those kind of musicians behind me. Um, it was what it was. So it, unread, I, it, for me, it was kind of a blessing when I when I left LA Guns. Um, it was good, but then I got tied in and connected so strongly with LA Guns because they used my songs for the record. Um, and it's hard to overcome. Uh, so it's hard to overcome that connection, you know? Although I'm hoping this album kind of sets me apart as an artist, you know, that this is what I do, It's it's not that, you know? Even though those are my songs, that's not what, how I would have done them, you know. And probably someday I may, I may actually go and re-record those songs just so they're documented in the way that I would have produced them and produced them myself, you know, now that i got the means to do it and i got studios, i got industry. It'd be music. awesome.
0: It'd be really, really fun. Yeah. You know, that'd be a good idea.
1: And it might be interesting for fans, you know, I think, uh, of that music to see how the, you know, how they would have been done by the original writer, you know. And and they would be quite different.
0: You know, do a whole show like that. Just a one off special night of all your versions, you know, yeah. make it a live, my live CD or whatever. You know, you get them all recorded and you're done. <laughs> okay. So you're not stuck. Yeah, it was a challenge though, because you, you play guitar, you sing, and you play drums and bass, right? So you kind of do everything.
1: I play piano. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Is that always been, did you, did you said you started as a drummer, but did you naturally play piano when you're younger or?
1: Yeah, well, actually, before I was able to play drums, uh, I would, I, you know, my, well, I I played piano, piano lessons when I was real young, and I I just got bored with the piano, like, the teacher was so focused on me curving my fingers just right, and the technique behind playing, before actually teaching me a chord or something that was interesting, there was nothing to keep my interest in the piano. I, I was learning to read, and I was learning the notes and stuff and scales, and Curving your thumb underneath. And it's like, I just wanted to play. I didn't, I couldn't go be bothered with all this style, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh and I was really drawn towards drums because of Bring a Star. And I I really wanted to be a drummer since I was a little kid, since I was like four. And um my parents just didn't support it. You know, they thought, well, it's just, you know, you'll we get you a drum set, it's gonna make a lot of noise, it's gonna be expensive, you're gonna give it up, you're not gonna stick with it. Um, and then Weirdly, uh, when I wanted to pick like an in, instrument for band, when I got to like third grade or something, my brother was a really, really good trumpet player. Just an amazing trumpet player. And he got a new trumpet. So they had a hand-me-down trumpet. And they said, well, why don't you start with this? <laughs> and I didn't want to, be, and they, there was several reasons. First of all, they had a trumpet. They didn't have to spend any money. And I could be playing music. And I had kind of buck teeth at the time when I was a kid. So they thought if I, play, they played, if I played trumpet, it would push my teeth back in. And they wouldn't have to get braces.
0: Are you serious? That doesn't sound very scientific.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's a weird thing. But so now I tried playing trumpet. Mark was my brother. Mark taught me a lot about music, by the way, because he's a great musician. Uh, he taught me about reading rhythms and all that kind of stuff. But it, but he was trying to teach me the trumpet too, and I didn't like the trumpet because it's something about the buzzing of the of the lips and stuff would make my my face tickle, and it's just yeah. it was, I just did not. I didn't bond with the trumpet, and finally, I think uh, I think finally I bought I really I think when I was about twelve I bought a um, I got my dad or I bought him maybe a, a pair of really thick uh, marching drum sticks right, and uh, and then my dad and and then I joined the band I just and my and all I ever was taught was how to hold the stick and then drop it and that's all the band teacher ever taught me. And then my dad, when he thought saw I was interested in drumming, he got me a little, got me a snare drum, a really nice one, a Ludwig. And it had in the in the case, it had it was in a case and it had the, the 13 essential rudiments on one side. And then you flip it over, and then it had the 13 extra rudiments. So there's 26 rudiments. Now there's a million other rudiments, but right. those are the essential rudiments that you had to learn for drumming. And Mark, my brother, old brother, taught me how to read the rhythms. And I taught myself all the rudiments. And, uh, and then as I got more and more of practice and started getting better at my, my, oh, um, I saved up a hundred, a hundred dollars from a paper route I was in. And I uh, probably by, probably when I was about 12 or 13 too, I, I bought my first drum set and I learned like one or two drum beats. I think the, one of the first, first drum beat I learned was like the Ringo Starr beat. And then I learned Honky Tonk Woman, the, the Charlie Watts beat and uh, there were some hillbilly kids that kind of were getting bussed down in my school and they they came up to me and they go we're well, here you play the drums and I and it said yep and they just go well we need a drummer and and they live way up in the sticks so my my parents would drive me and my drum set up way up in the country this old beat-up house across from a pig farm and drop me off for the weekend and I would sit there and, and jam with all these billy, hillbilly kids you know playing country and bluegrass and Rock and roll and Chuck Berry music and everything, and and it was great. We we jam all day long, and then we take breaks and we go off into the country, into the to the swimming hole and everything. And it was just it was that's how I learned how to play music was just being dropped off in the country with a drumstick and playing with a bunch of like bluegrass country hillbillies, you know, and um and it was just a great way to get started in music. Um so and then once I showed that I was serious about drumming, my parents started uh, supporting me more, and I. And my dad would take me down to the dixieland festival that they would have like every, in sacramento they would um when i was real young as a kid he would take me down to the dixieland festival and let me sit in with all the old uh dixieland jazz cats you know and i get into the swing and everything like that and then and i was and my teenage years i was in some really good rock bands and stuff um and then i wanted to branch off from rock and roll so i started uh getting somehow i got connected with the jazz scene in sacramento and um when i was about 17 and uh, a lot of the older jazz cats realized i could just sit in and play you know without rehearsal and they i would get called into gigs all the time as a teenager and uh i really kind of cut my teeth with getting that swing down and and um and then i joined a jazz latin band because i wanted to get more syncopated and stuff and just little by little, by just joining all these bands and just doing it hands on, I learned how to play, and I became really rhythmic oriented. And then I went off to college and became a percussion major at San Jose State. And then from there, I, I migrated to LA and started playing in bands. And but I always always sang from behind the drums because I felt because there was one band that I was in in uh, that I was always called in for uh, in Sacramento and this was an, what really inspired me um well in my, my last year years of high school i joined the the choir and i made honor choir so I, I you know i was taught how to sing and i always thought that was just one more limb that i can add to my drumming to make me more valuable as a drummer not that i ever wanted to be a lead singer but i just wanted to be able to do it you know but i practiced and i got good and then went so when i went to San Jose state i was a i was a percussion major but i was a, a jazz vocal minor you know, so I studied both. And, um, and uh, so I knew how to sing, you know, and then eventually kind of in the mid eighties, you know, as a songwriters, I wrote more and more songs. I wanted to be able to, to get my songs out there. And it was really difficult to do from a drumming standpoint. So somehow or another, I got, that's when I ended up getting pushed out and becoming a lead singer.
0: What about guitar? How when guitar sneak in there? Cause you play guitar too.
1: Yeah I think I've always kind of known like probably my earliest guitar experiences were learning chords and making up songs when I was uh, you know there was always a guitar sitting around our house or you know or a piano so I was always noodling around on piano and guitar it just wasn't what my focus was on but I always knew chords and and I was able to bang out a few chords and make up melodies to them that's why I was always writing songs you know and then I think a lot of my early songs in Hollywood, I, I bought a beetle bass, so I was making up bass lines on this beetle bass, and it had a little sound to it because it was it was kind of semi hollow body, and I would just make come up with these these bass melodies, and then I would sing over it, and I and then I had this briefcase that I would write lyrics and just I was right constantly writing lyrics, and I would keep it locked because it was very protective. I didn't want anybody to ever hear my songs really, uh, and then I would have girlfriends would break into my briefcase and and read my lyrics and say, well, what's this about? You know, and being, <laughs> so I was like very protective. And then finally I thought, yeah, I should really try to get some of these. I did sing some of my songs for people and they were saying, you need to get that stuff out. And uh, so I started getting a little bit more bolder and letting my songs out. And little by little, as they, my songs were getting accepted, I thought, oh, okay, that's that's probably what I do then. I'm mo- I, I, these days I kind of consider myself a songwriter more than anything else. I'm, I'm a singer, a drummer. I mean, you know, uh, I can play, you know, I play guitar, but I think, um, I, I, you know, just with working with Joe, he knew that I knew my, I, I never tried to be a great guitar player with, with leads and riffs and all that kind of stuff. But Joe knew that I knew that it, my way around a guitar. So he kept saying, okay, rather than just being a front man that jumps around like Mick Jagger, Joe wanted me to be, to cover the rhythm on guitar as well. So it filled, filled out the music more. He was more concerned with filling out the music than me, than being a front man. So now, and then when I went back to college, I, I ended up getting my degree. But when I finally finished my degree, it I did, wasn't a percussion major. I, w- I ended up uh, getting my degree in film composition. So I was a composer. So I learned how to, you know, uh, score films, you know, with, you know, uh, string sounds and everything like, and orchestrate and and even write out scores. But um I had to I had to uh make a living after I got out of out of college. So I went back to performing and I realized it was easier for me to take gigs uh and play. Uh if I just if it was just me and a guitar, I didn't have to ask five different man, band members and try to pull in a, a whole band together to go play. I could I could take these little gigs, ask for less money. There's, there's always somebody at winery or casino or something that wants a wants a musician that they pay a little bit to, to sit in a corner and play music, you know? So I started doing that. And as I had to be my only, and I would put a tambourine on my foot to keep the beat. As I learned and people call out requests and stuff, I kept learning more and more songs. I started learning cover songs that I mixed and I mixed my original songs in with those. You know, so I started learning like, you know, Creedence, Rolling Stones, um, you know, whatever, John Denver, whoever was called out to me, you know, um, Johnny Cash. And as I started learning all these songs and, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, whatever people wanted to hear, I, I learned what was popular and what made a good song popular. And I started getting really good on guitar. So I, I, I finally, I think I can consider myself a really good guitar player now, but I still, I'm not a lead guitar player. I'm strictly rhythm, but I, I play So when I play guitar, I play it like a drummer and I, and I do a lot of like noodling and stuff, but it's, it's really in just a rhythmic way to accompany my the voice. And people seem to really like it, you know. So I just did a wedding yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just acoustically. Hmm? Just 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 you acoustically singing.
1: Uh just yes. Yeah, just, it was an acoustic gig. I actually I played uh I've I've kind of been turning down the gigs a lot lately because I've been doing a lot of real estate and that's yeah, making me a little bit more money than playing music. But uh I but this week I played Thursday, Friday, Saturday at a winery and then when I played Saturday, there there was a, a reception group in front of me and they said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And they hired me to play their reception <laughs> the next day. So it's, I played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, I I mean, I was working full, before COVID, I was working full time as a musician. I played all, like almost every day. You know, I was, I had gigs all around California. Uh, but when COVID, when the, all the gigs got shut down with COVID, that's when I started doing realty. And then now I'm pretty much a real estate agent <laughs> you know but but what's good about being a real estate agent is i can take i make enough money to take and put back into my music and do my recordings that i want to do yeah you know, and produce my own records and i don't have to depend on a, a label or anything to give me an advance or and, and be in debt for it i just i just put the music out as i want to do it you know?
0: well i wouldn't want to be in contract spouse you over again either i think you've had enough of that oh yeah yeah, yeah. No more contracts for you. <laughs> I think the other bands have ruined it for you that way.
1: Well, I, I'm very disillusioned <laughs> with the music industry in general. So I just, but I'm still a musician. I'm still passionate about what I do. So I still want to do it. You know, so. all all that matters to me is that I'm able to play and, and put my music out.
0: Well, I did think it was weird. I had learned also from a podcast. It was weird how what had happened to you with Ellie Guns and kind of getting um, cheated out of your 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 what you wrote. <laughs> but then at one time I'd seen you actually online had had actually played with Tracy. And then the backup story is you kind of try to come full circle. So it feels like you're always putting an effort in on trying to keep things on the up and up with everybody. <laughs> but it doesn't always yeah. happen.
1: Yeah, 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 I mean, I knew I got asked to rejoin Elegon, put the original band together. And I knew it was not the greatest idea to team up with people that had stabbed me in the back the way they did. And I knew it was probably going to end badly again, but I, I still it was, well, there's a couple of things I can say about it is uh, it allowed me to leave a job that was a go nowhere job that I, that I couldn't stand. And I was able to actually make, I was actually able to be a working musician during that time, even though I wasn't able to do, I was doing my own songs, but I wasn't able to do them the way, completely the way I would have liked to have done them because at the, by this point, it was so embedded in people's heads, the way they were reported originally. So. Um it's still nonetheless it did get me out there and got and got and made me some connections and got me some publicity and um and i was able to work as a musician instead of like um doing a, a job that i hated you know um and uh it ended like it like it should have but but when it ended i just took a different route you know i uh i went back to school and finally got my degree in music which is what i always told myself i was going to do and I I just buckled down, and I was just I was like obsessed with school. And uh, I think I over the years when I was uh, going to school and, and getting my music degree, I, I I think I became such a better musician. I I, I had a, such a better understanding of it, and I think it opened up avenues for me as far as songwriting and com- and composing in general, and coming up with the sounds I wanted. You know, um, I just knew more about but it was, it was weird after going to school I was able to go back over music that I've been writing for years and 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 understand why what I was doing made sense you know like why this chord leads to this chord and this, that you know and and what and and oh that's why that that's a diminished chord that I've been playing I didn't even know what some of these chords were called that I was playing you know uh, or what made them diminished or half diminished or a seventh, you know, it's just like, and why, and dominant sevenths and just, just the whole theory behind music and how it works that's been analyzed from like, from like Western, you know, like from early classical days, you know, till now. Um, it just, I think, it just makes me think differently about music and, and how, how it all works and why it works. You know? so, really, you just
0: going by feel before and then else you know why it sounded good
1: yeah it was all it was all and here's the weird thing I didn't uh one of the things I had to do is I had to take a songwriting class not that I ever needed to you know I always knew how to write songs right Right. but it was interesting to take that class because there was a whole book on songwriting that we had we had to go through and then I realized they have names for everything I've been doing for years they they they've analyzed it and you know like just you know you know, obviously, verse, bridge, tag, right. chorus, those kind of things. But, but, um, but as far as lyrics and you know, alliteration and all this, all this stuff. There's a name for everything I've been doing for years, and I didn't know there was names for all this stuff. And that, it was always a weird concept. I was like, how do you teach somebody how to write a song? You don't teach somebody how to write a song. They just, you just do it. It just, and the song is already there. You just, you don't really write it. You just find it. You know, it's like, and it, just, it just kind of comes because I would wake up, you know, like. Was something in my head, a melody or you know lyric or something like that, and I'd write it down. anyway, any way documented any way I could, and I don't know where they came from. I didn't know how they came about. I just know that I liked it and it sounded good, and, and other people seemed to like it. You know, um, but in learning how it's done, it's like that. I think people have gone back over songs and given them name, given the the little pieces names and the things that get repeated. It's just it's weird. It. After school, you know, you throw it all out the door anyway, and you just do what you've always done, but you just, in, in subconsciously, you have a better idea of what it is. You
0: know? Well, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, to do it one way and to learn what it is, it's already allowed you to be an established songwriter and not make you having to be like, oh, I've got to do it this way. You might understand the concept of it and maybe see what you're doing is similar, yeah. you know, like oh, yeah. I would just go off for, for recording and I, I, I hear what I know what I like and I know what I don't like. So you kind of know what you want. It's not going to change it that much but yeah
1: i know i do i do see a lot of songwriters sitting there trying to go by the rules and and um you know and 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 do a method but yeah it doesn't work that way for me i can't go by a method and 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 i i I do hear some songwriters talk about their approach to writing a song i don't have an approach you know it could come a song for me could come from anywhere um it could come from like, I mean, it could start with a chord, chord progression that I like, or it could start with um, a melody that I hear, or or even just a title. If I have a good title, sometimes the song writes itself. Um, um, so yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll approach it from any angle. I don't have one method and I don't think there, I don't think there really should be a method to songwriting. It should just do what, comes to you you know it's more of an inspiration and, and one, of, one of the things i like about writing with joe too is like he'll take me places that i wouldn't have thought to go before because he really understands the guitar and he and he um and the way he plays guitar is very passionate and it's almost like another voice so we would play off each other and a lot of times he'll come up with something that'll inspire something that i never would have thought of you know like he'll play a chord progression and that sticks a melody in my head and i'll just sing like you know whatever like uh, scat singing or something just right, stuff, right, right, right you know and then i'll then i'll find a title that i like to go with that you know that that, that seems to match the feel and and then you know and then i'll trade ideas i'll say well what, what if we go here and then and then joe will go, oh yeah yeah but, we'll, 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 but from there we can go here you know and and we kind of go on a journey together and it and it and we end up with this thing that's like neither one of us would have expected and that's, that, that's what's great about writing with Joe, you know, it's like that, I, I, I write songs by myself, but sometimes it's just, it's, if you're with the right person, co-writing is really inspirational, and it's, it's, it's so great, because you just come up with things that you just would never have thought I would about.
0: imagine that, that it's a certain safety, like if you were, like you said, the elegons the are changing your songs, at a certain point, if you keep bringing them to them, you're like, yeah, they're going to like it, but I know how much you're going to put into it beyond what you think they're going to want after a while, subconsciously, you know, you're going to take your song and change it anyhow. Whereas in relationship with Joe, he's not going to change it. You can be who you are and work from there without, you know, yeah. holding anything back.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is I can, I can trust Joe to be honest with me as well, because sometimes I don't know, you know, sometimes I don't know if I have, if I'm onto something good or not, you know, it's some, I, don't, I don't think that everything I write is good. I know that some of it is just like, not that great, you know, and and so you got to kind of pick out the good stuff from everything you write, you know. And Joe will be very upfront with me. And say, nah, <laughs> that that one doesn't work. <laughs> and I appreciate that, you know. I don't I don't want to be praised for everything I do, you know. I want to I want to zero in on what's good, and that's what I like about this this record that we're, we're uh, it's called Everybody Rains on My Parade. I think this is I got. I, I just think it's the best thing I've ever done. And part of the reason is because of my relationship with Joe like that. It's like, he'll tell me if something sucks, you know, uh, I'll tell him if I don't like something, you know, it, it goes both ways and together. And, and we'll ba- we, we've bounced it off other people too. Hey, what do you think of this one? What do you think of that one? Hey, what, what about this one as opposed to this one when we're making a choice, you know? And, uh, and other people you know and I think just overall we, we've taken our time and we've just I think we've honed in on this record just being a great record you know I don't think there's anything about this record I, I'm really proud of it I don't think there's anything about this record that's bad I think it's all I think I'm happy with every little part of this record
0: you you should be in the
1: thing. But on that note
0: we will end this but going forward any, anything you want to tell people like where to go anything you know obviously I'll post links for, for the, where they get the album and stuff, but is there anything you want to tell people for dates or anything they can go to or Instagram or your Facebook you want to hunt you down? Uh, uh,
1: yeah. You can go to, what is it? It's a, we have a Facebook page. Yeah. Please come join our Facebook page. It's uh Joe dog and Paul black's sonic boom. You should be able to Google it. Um,
0: I'll put a, all the links. I'll track them down. I'll put underneath this video. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah, please go and join us. There's also a band camp page apparently. And and I, I'm sorry, I don't know where to go to it. I don't even know where to go to find my own record. Um, but it's, but there's, I know there's a Bandcamp page that got put up. I know it's available in Europe. It's supposed to be available over here in, um, in America. I think you'll be able to get it on, um, I think you'll be able to get it on Amazon. Uh, uh, but yeah, we're in the days of Google. Find me. <laughs> we're, we're there somewhere.
0: I'll put the link to everything I can find for everybody else to make it easy. So after this interview, they can click on it and buy your stuff or check you out. Okay. I so. appreciate it. And it's a good album. So people check it out. I've heard the whole thing and it's, it's fantastic. And uh,
1: Thanks, John. I appreciate it. And,
0: uh, and think- thanks
1: for the interview. I really appreciate your support. And uh, and uh, it's, it's been fun. I love talking about this
0: stuff. You know.